children, the home of free form, the indiscriminating, discriminating listener's choice in the belly of the beast. And now, some more Ben Webster. Well, uh, good evening and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. Jim Dwyer's on a little vacation due to spring break, so he's way up north. It's even colder up uh, up in the UP than it is here, but uh, <laughs> believe it or not, this has been the warmest Monday in about a month. I heard today that Syracuse had the coldest February and... History, Portland, Maine, coldest February in history. Boston, the second heaviest snowfall for winter in history. And Boise, Idaho, the warmest February in history. So it's been very warm out west, very cold in the Great Lakes, mid-Atlantic, eastern United States. And we're going to get a little break, but not much. It's apparently coming back. So, I don't know, this is the, what, the anniversary of Groundhog Day, and <laughs> I don't think those groundhogs have come out of their holes yet, so, six more weeks of winter. Yikes. But uh, it is, it has been sunny. Anyway, enough about the weather. As Mark Twain once famously said, everybody complains about it, and nobody does anything about it. Uh, where to go? Where to go? Well, um, I'm not going to talk too much about the Netanyahu situation. He's obviously uh, speaking tomorrow before Congress. I suspect that there will be a few no-shows on the Democratic Party, but whoop-de-doo. I think this has been a diplomatic blunder by John Boehner, so we'll give him a brain damage award, and I don't know if this is uh, going to play, how heavily this is going to play into the uh, Israeli uh, elections that are coming up in a couple of weeks. But Netanyahu, probably three months ago, thought this was going to be a give me, a gimme, as they say in sports. And by the way, that was very good analysis uh, about the Red Wings. You know, you just looked at what they did in the last, uh, the, the trades are, are fantastic. Um, just what they needed. They've got some real uh, solid young talent, so they can mix these veterans in with what they've already got. And they didn't give up much. They're almost guaranteed, well, they're, they're guaranteed to make the playoffs the way they've been playing. I mean, you go on a six-game road trip out west, and you play some of the best teams in the Western Conference, and you lose one game, one to nothing to the L.A. Kings, who uh, on any given night can be the best goalie in the world. Uh, very impressive stuff by the Red Wings. Several come-from-behind victories. Even knocked off the Blackhawks in a shootout. I think it was a shootout. Might have been overtime, but it doesn't matter. It just proves how good this organization continues to be. The sellout streak is intact, and while they have not mathematically qualified for the playoffs, it's really just going to be a matter of time here because they've got a cushion it's just a question of the seeding, and if you look at the games in hand, they're really in second place in that conference because Tampa Bay, I think, has played three more games. So the Wings are just a, a fantastic 
sports organization. The sellouts continue. The great hockey continues. This is not uh, the beautiful Red, Red Wing late 90s Russian Five or the Swedish Five even. This is, this is gritty uh, Mike Babcock hockey, and it's uh, fun to watch for hockey purists. Uh, Pavel Dadzuk has just been putting on some magic shows in the last couple of games, and he's had to with uh, Zetterberg down. Been relatively healthy, so uh, let's go Red Wings. <laughs> anyway, uh, back to uh, some of the uh, uh, public affairs issues that that actually uh, uh, matter uh, this week and upcoming weeks. So yeah, we'll give uh, John Boehner a, a brain damage award. This this is just sort of backfired on on him. I mean, here's the government uh, uh, extending Homeland Security funding week by week. This is pathetic. This is no way to run a railroad. And if John Boehner would do his job instead of um, muddling into foreign affairs, I don't know what he's what he's got in mind. This is blatant political uh, politicization of the diplomatic process. Everybody in the world, I don't know even where Netanyahu gets gets off. Um, criticizing what the United States is doing regarding negotiations. I continue to be perturbed by the misleading use of of enriched uranium. You cannot make a nuclear weapon unless you have highly enriched uranium. And if the agreement gets inspectors on site in exchange for a loosening of some sanctions, so be it. Uh, By the way, how interesting that today there's been an announced offensive in Iraq uh, by the Iraqi military with respect to Tikrit. Tikrit, of course, being Saddam Hussein's old hometown where he hung out in a in a hole, uh, allegedly. I think he was probably put in the hole and discovered by the American government as a public relations gambit. But uh, the Iraq uh, war, which... Uh, uh, the neoconservatives, who are big supporters of uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, um, is uh, continuing to, to be a, dis, uh, a, a chaotic uh, situation along with Syria. And uh, the United States ultimately may even need Iranian assistance in uh, this offensive. There are rumors that uh, there may be an offensive uh, regarding Mosul involving Iranian troops. We will see. But uh, all the criticism about this uh, horrible situation regarding ISIS, I think, has been uh, somewhat unwarranted and overstated. This is a very complicated situation that resulted in the breakup of Iraq caused by George W. Bush and the neoconservative desire to remake the Middle East. Uh, Bill O'Reilly, let's give him a brain damage award. He's been uh, struggling with his uh, story, so we'll call him Bill O'Baba O'Reilly from now on. He's out in the out here in the field, and he's uh, fighting about his squeals because uh, <laughs> I think it's funny. Fox News, of course, is not not going to take him off the air, uh, even if it proves that he overstated his case. I don't think this is uh, in any way shape or form comparable to either the Dan Rather situation, which uh, may be appropriate to talk about at some point, uh, given the fact that uh, Jeb Squarepants Bush uh, 
is uh, back in the news. He was at CPAC all weekend and got booed, roundly finished fifth in the so-called straw poll. Uh, the Bush family has a thing about Dan Rather. So we can talk about the Dan Rather situation in the uh, upcoming weeks regarding Bill O'Baba O'Reilly. But uh, for him to uh, say, ah, I'll take you on, you know, he's, he's just pulling the macho thing at this point. He's uh, not giving an inch. And don't expect Roger Ailes uh, to care about the truth because Fox News has never cared about the truth. So uh, to heck with him. Um, we had a uh, unfortunate event occur in L.A. yesterday. Uh, and my only comment about this, uh, since I know uh, just sort of sketchy details about the situation in Skid Row, uh, is that there was a body cam on one of the police officers involved. So there's going to be an ongoing investigation. I would say, unless this was an organized uh, L.A. murder by the police, uh, a la L.A. Confidential, uh, one of the great movies uh, in the last 20 years, in my opinion, based on a novel by, uh, oh, what is his name? J uh, James Elroy, fascinating uh, film noir uh, of, of a modern variety. And I mentioned Film Noir because the Michigan Theater's Film Noir series continues uh, tonight. Um, forget which one's showing tonight, but uh, there's a number of really good ones this month. So highly recommend going to check that out over at the Michigan Theater at uh, 7 o'clock if you're not doing anything. But in connection with the L.A. situation, I have a couple of comments to make about this. I think that it's very unfortunate with this uh, proliferation of social media, how uh, these videos get thrown out into the uh, ether and people rush to judgment about what happened. Uh, they don't have all the facts. And it's very important to understand that the First Amendment does not trump other amendments in the Bill of Rights, in my opinion. People are entitled to impartial juries. They are entitled to f fair trials. These are part of the Bill of Rights. And I dare say that the proliferation of social media in which things are overexposed as these issues, these videos of these unfortunate tragedies, I think is a real disservice to our system of democracy. And it almost becomes a mob rush to judgment and while the Los Angeles Police Department has a long, pathetic tradition of brutality, racial profiling, and other shenanigans, to put it mildly, um, they have made improvements in L.A. over the last several decades since the infamous Rodney King uh, nonsense back in the... Uh, um, well, back in the early 90s, I believe. I, I, I think it was 92. Um, so a very unfortunate incident in L.A. But in connection with the incident in L.A., I just want to uh, point out that in my New York Times yesterday, uh, I, we get a little supplement called The Ann, which is a Ann Arbor sort of glossy magazine that comes with your Sunday newspaper. 
And they have a cover story this month about the Ann Arbor police situation that occurred on Winewood Avenue on the west side regarding a um, mentally troubled woman who was not homeless, by the way. She uh, seems to have lived in a genuine house. And on November 10th, the Ann Arbor Police Department was uh, responding to a domestic uh, violence dispute, a domestic uh, situation in which the suspect, who was eventually shot, um, and let me get her actual name. There have been some protests in Ann Arbor about this whole situation. Aura Rosser um, was killed in this incident. She was armed. She was armed with a knife that apparently she refused to drop. She didn't follow instructions. And it turns out that uh, in a sort of a similar in a similar vein, she uh, she was uh, heavily medicated on bipolar medications and also a toxic mix of um, uh, cocaine and alcohol, according to the Michigan State Police autopsy reports. Um, so this was a tragic situation once again. And I, I don't want to I've never jumped to any conclusions about this incident um, in fact I think I was in New York City when this actually occurred but uh, there were witnesses there there were other people in the house and I can assure you having being relatively acquainted with um, Brian Mackey the Washtenaw County prosecutor who uh, investigated this case he's a longtime prosecutor um, that, that he in no way, shape, or form would participate in any sort of a cover-up involving this tragic incident. And uh, this was a tragic incident, but it, the, the, the police are sometimes put into a very difficult situation with people um, who are um, heavily medicated, both uh, <clears throat> on medications that they should be taking and perhaps medications that they should not be taking, and that would include alcohol. But uh, cocaine and alcohol combined uh, provides a very toxic mix in which people's judgment and uh, ability to respond to uh, stimuli or commands or even being tased, for instance, in the L.A. case, we're, we're, we're hearing that there may have been a, a taser involved in which the suspect uh, didn't respond to. He didn't, quote, go down. So I think that it's important not to jump to conclusions in these particular cases, wait for some of the facts to come out. Ann Arbor's situation is nowhere comparable to the uh, misinvestigation and the abuse of power by the St. Louis prosecutor, Mr. McCullough. Uh, while I think that there were clearly some reasons um, that Michael Brown was uh, was uh, you know he got into a into fisticuffs with an armed police officer who uh, I I I don't I, I don't buy his story that by the way that he he feared for his life um, but I do buy the story that there was there were fisticuffs and violence and that the the, the shooting was a very complex forensic situation that it's very important that we not jump to conclusions about these cases until 
uh, investigations have been made uh, and evidence analyzed. And evidence, the right to a fair trial, and all of these aspects of the Bill of Rights, I think, are important to keep into consideration. And I think that this uh, social media mob rampage of prejudging things and sort of looking at things uh, and jumping to conclusions is, uh, without the full story is, is uh, unwise. And in this particular case, it's important to realize in L.A., by the way, that the uh, L.A. police have apparently in recent weeks been participating in an experimental study regarding the use of body cameras on police officers. And the article that appears in The Ann, which uh, you, you might have been able to pick up if you purchased an Ann Arbor uh, News yesterday or uh, subscribed to the New York Times, was written by Michael David Marshall, who, quote, is an independent filmmaker and cartoonist with a bachelor's degree in business administration from Western Michigan. His father worked in the Detroit Police Department for 20 years. Now, he interviewed a variety of people. And some of the issues that come out in this article, uh, besides the fact that the, uh, the suspect that was uh, shot, unfortunately, um, include the use of body cameras. Uh, one of the city councilmen is interviewed extensively. And it's interesting to me, by the way, that the, the talking points that the uh, police are always going to make from this point on run as follows. And I'm not prejudging or, or post-judging this case. I think that the Ann Arbor case was probably uh, thoroughly investigated and that this was more of a tragedy involving mental illness um, apparently there had been some previous domestic disputes between this couple, but I wanted to quote the officer in question, quote, I was in fear for the safety for myself and officer Rab. So I discharged my firearm one time to stop the threat. Uh, she apparently was shot once. Uh, officer Rab was his, uh, his partner, his police partner in the situation. And this uh, uh, Los Angeles situation, by the way, seems to involve five police officers who were responding to some sort of robbery uh, down on Skid Row in Los Angeles. So uh, these, these complex situations involving violent people, particularly people on medication or um, toxic combinations of uh, drugs and whatnot, is uh, not, uh, a, a, it's a volatile situation to say the least. I wanted to quote, uh, the toxicology report does show high levels of cocaine, cocaine metabolites, and alcohol in Ms. Rossiter's system, indicating that she had recently ingested large amounts of both cocaine and alcohol. I won't go into the bipolar drugs that she apparently was taking, but there were bipolar drugs found in the house uh, in, uh, prescribed to her in her name. Uh, whether she was taking these drugs or not is another issue, because I do recall, by the way, that in uh, New York City a couple of weeks ago, uh, there was a man stabbed in a synagogue, shot by police, with a history of mental illness. He used a knife, uh, had, was bearing a knife. They even have a picture of the nine-inch knife. Uh, and it turns out that he was a... Uh, 
was susceptible to bipolar uh, problems and, quote, was not taking his medications. So sometimes uh, these medications cause uh, violence and, and poor judgment, and sometimes not taking these medications causes problems. So uh, let's wait for more facts to come in before we rush to judgment about what really happened. Now, last week, I, I uh, promised to sort of uh, talk a little bit very briefly about the Malcolm X anniversary, the assassination of Malcolm X, which the 50th anniversary just uh, passed uh, a couple of uh, days ago. Um, I believe I have the date as February 21st. I think when I looked at my notes, I thought it was February 27th, but sometimes I make my my sevens very poorly in my handwriting because I scribble a lot and dates are important. But anyway, uh, one of the things that occurred to me was how little coverage this 50th anniversary got here in the United States. I think there's an interesting explanation for that. Of course, Malcolm X at the time was a member of the Nation of Islam. He had uh, fought publicly and very vehemently with the Prophet Elijah Muhammad, the nominal leader of the Nation of Islam here in the United States. And essentially in 1964, there were what were called heresy wars going on between the two. Uh, Malcolm X has been vindicated, uh, I would say, by history in that Elijah Muhammad uh, turned out basically to be a religious huckster, uh, not a prophet of Islam. And the, the nation of Islam in and of itself is uh, somewhat of a strange, shadowy organization that continues to exist here in the United States. But I heard almost no coverage of this anniversary. And, of course, Malcolm X, um, you know, they made a kind of a big bio movie uh, about him starring Denzel Washington, one of the great uh, African-American actors of our era. Forget about Will Smith. He's just, <laughs> he's trailer trash compared to Denzel. But uh, on the 21st of uh, February 1965, on a Sunday, Malcolm X was killed, shot, gangland style, by members of the Nation of Islam. Uh, they were members of the Newark uh, group, and they staged this uh, shooting in sort of a professional manner of, a, of, of the mafia hit. They, they had a driver create a distraction by throwing a smoke bomb and uh, creating a fake uh, robbery. He yelled out, get your hand out of my pocket. Malcolm supposedly, according to eyewitnesses, there were about 200 witnesses in this ballroom. It was basically going to be a dance, and uh, Malcolm was going to give a little speech uh, beforehand uh, as it related to the uh, civil rights movement that was going on. Of course, recently we saw that Selma, uh, the movie about Martin Luther King and the Selma March, uh, that's anniversary, the 50th anniversary of that, by the way, is coming up. And I think that uh, Taylor Branch's Pillar of Fire uh, 19, America, 1963 to 1965, gives a superb analysis of what really happened at the uh, Malcolm X assassination. There was one suspect apprehended at the scene, a guy named Talmadge X. Hare. Uh, all of the members of Nation I of the Islam, by the way, used X as their middle name. And the other people escaped. Mal Malcolm X was shot by a shotgun. 
And I have never believed that there was, a, say, a perfidious connection to the CIA or the FBI. Uh, there have been some questions over the years raised about the competence of the police investigation into this murder, which did occur in Harlem, but uh, was perpetrated by uh, members of the Newark uh, branch of the Nation of Islam. And, of course, Elijah Muhammad, throughout the rest of his life, pretty much proved Malcolm X's thesis that he was really a religious huckster and nothing more. Uh, he uh, was engaged in all sorts of financial improprieties, fraud, uh, typical of the Christian evangelical uh, characters like Jim Baker and Oral Roberts and uh, Jimmy Swaggart and some of those uh, uh, KG uh, congregations out in California that have built uh, literally hundreds of millions of dollars from uh, naive Americans. Um, but uh, as uh, Taylor Branch puts it, these heresy wars had sort of started in 1964, and uh, uh, Malcolm X was essentially excommunicated by um, Elijah Muhammad from the organization. There were Besides uh, questions about the New York investigation into the assassination, there have also been many questions raised about the role of Louis Farrakhan. At the time, he was not known as Louis Farrakhan. That name uh, took, took hold later. But he later became the leader of the Nation of Islam. And there is some cir circumstantial evidence that he may have had played a role uh, in the assassination of Malcolm X. It's interesting to note, by the way, that Malcolm X's daughter, one of his daughters, uh, and I'm trying to find her name here. It's in my my uh, bad notes. Kabila uh, was uh, charged in the early 90s uh, with attempting to assassinate um, Louis Farrakhan in a revenge plot. And this sort of gangland warfare that... that uh, pervaded the nation of Islam for the next uh, several decades following the death of Malcolm X, the assassination of Malcolm X, was uh, part of the uh, ultimate destruction, I would argue, of the nation of Islam. And uh, Malcolm X, of course, had a much more militant approach to the civil rights problem uh, than Martin Luther King. And they, of course, publicly clashed about the best approach uh, to go forward I think that history has vindicated Martin Luther King on the civil rights strategy, and history has vindicated Malcolm X on the legitimacy of Elijah Muhammad, who is, uh, we'll say once again, proved to uh, be a religious huckster. There were several people involved in the actual assassination of Malcolm X, but it uh, resembled a mafia hit, and as I said, there was a massive distraction created at the entrance of the Audubon Ballroom by the driver of the Cadillac that drove the assassins to their um, to the killing, and they were positioned in the front row of the Audubon Ballroom to shoot Malcolm when he became concerned about the scuffle that was you know, the fake scuffle that was going out front when he put up his hand several times and was yelling, hold it, hold it, and then he got uh, basically uh, killed by a shotgun 
uh, from, quote, 15 feet away. So this was a uh, carefully staged uh, murder by members of the Nation of Islam, and I do not think that the federal government ever had a role in the actual killing, but I do think that there need to be some further investigations into what really happened. One of the witnesses, James X. Price, was uh, one of the assassins who later uh, agreed to testify against seven others. It never happened. He was found in a cell, and the ruling was suicide. And we know that suicides are sometimes staged as murders, so uh, there probably are some questions about that. But uh, I wanted to uh, at least acknowledge this 50th, the, the 50th anniversary of the assassination of Malcolm X. As a youngster, by the way, I read the autobiography of Malcolm X. I might have been about 9 or 10 years old. I think I wrote a book report about it. And Alex Haley was the, uh, the co-writer on that book, who later, of course, gained uh, incredible fame for the television series Roots that appeared on television in the 1970s. Uh, I think that Malcolm had repented on some foolish comments that he made. He made some very unfortunate comments after the assassination of John F. Kennedy, for instance, that got him into a lot of uh, public relations trouble. And uh, I think that... uh, he had uh, he had his own vision that I think uh, was uh, curtailed, cut short by the assassination that occurred in uh, February of 1965, and of course Martin Luther King assassinated under circumstances not fully explained by the U.S. government. I'd like to thank Andrew for engineering this evening. Do stay tuned here on WCBN FM and Arbor Yazoo City Calling. Coming up next, I believe, with Weston, because I did see him in the studio. So he's raring to go down in the studio. We may allow ourselves a brief period of rejoice. After the war, new technology revolutionized the electronics industry. Television threatened to destroy radio, but another invention, the transistor, made radio more important and useful than ever. Radio lives today as a vital medium for bringing news, discussion, and music to millions of listeners all over the world. You are listening to WCBN FM Ann Arbor. FM Ann Arbor. All right, the time is now 7.01. You're listening to Yazoo City Calling on WCBN FM Ann Arbor, our weekly tribute to the down-home American blues, broadcasting to you live every Monday from 7 to 8 p.m. on 88.3 FM since 1988. 